It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. Hey everyone, this is another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Francis. And like I've uh, said as an introduction to this podcast before, um, one of the reasons why we did this, why we started this was to connect with people, uh, you know, uh, around Connecticut that are doing innovative things that are kind of pushing the boundaries of technology, trying to bring new kind of uh, change and new businesses around. And also, um, you know, just to uh, see what's on the horizon for, for kind of some of the things coming down the pipeline, because as uh, startups and innovation and, and uh, entrepreneurship, basically, you know, you're on the, on the left side of that, um, that curve, right? You're, you're an early uh, adopter, an early innovator. So some of the stuff maybe a lot of people don't know about. Um, and so this, this podcast is actually kind of interesting is that one of the people that we have on today, uh, Henry, he's been on the podcast before, um, but then uh, another uh, guest, Jake, has not. Uh, and we actually connected through Twitter. So I've been going through a Twitter uh, rabbit hole and it's, uh, you know, we're, we met online or connected online and we're, we're here now. So I'd like to introduce uh, Henry Quinn and Jake Burden. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Doing awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to be getting into the, this kind of podcast is definitely all about web three. Uh, we're, 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 this is kind of like the theme of this show. Uh, I definitely mentioned it in, uh, the maybe a couple of past podcasts that, you know, I've been going down this rabbit hole and I connected with these guys. They're they're They started something called the CT DAO, 
And so I'm going to have, uh, we're going to go into that and, and a bunch of other things. But uh, Jake, if you just want to start with, uh, just uh, give us a little bit of a background and kind of your history in Connecticut, and then we'll hop over to Henry. Yeah, definitely. So yep, my name is Jake Burden, I'm currently a web development engineer at AWS. Um, I have lived in Connecticut um, basically my entire life, aside from two years I spent going to school in California. Uh, and I've been a software engineer in the area for about seven years. Very cool. Henry, what about you? I'm a senior application developer at Acuity Brands Lighting. Um, I was born in Middletown, moved around a lot as a kid, came back for grade school, left again for college, and I've kind of been here working as a software developer, DevOps engineer for the last seven years since. Yeah, very cool. And so, um, so I guess who wants to take on the challenge of uh, telling everybody what Web3 is and why we're, uh, we're so excited about it? And Jake's a better person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. So what is Web3 yeah. for many of the people that are, are still grappling Web2? So I will, I will try my best to answer this um, because I think everyone has a slightly different answer to what Web3 is. Um, but my general take on it is to kind of divide like web one, web two, and web three into these different eras. Um, and that's a pretty common theme you'll see when you when you do your research on the topic. So, you know, early to mid nineties was sort of like web one area uh, era where the web was primarily read only. You would produce a static website with like your company's information and you know, maybe a blog about yourself and anyone can go to that website and read it. Web two was sort of like late nineties to, um, you know, like 2009 ish, I would say. Uh, and that was sort of like the, the era of, you know, um, read and write web applications being developed. So more add like more dynamic websites to the mix. Um, where folks can like log on to Facebook and write a post and anyone can read it. But it was a highly permissioned web. Um, and then you know, since then, I think um, since the Bitcoin paper came out, you know, around in 2009, people have started to think about um, what we can do with a, a decentralized model for information. And that led to this web three era that we're going into now, which is sort of a, like a read, write and own web where you can be a participant to a permissionless network of web applications, meaning that you yourself can do work to keep a network healthy that you care about and there's no centralized entity that has the ability to uh, control or limit who has access to that platform. All right. So, so cryptocurrency is, is a part of Web3, right? It's just one aspect of it. And there's DeFi, then there's NFTs, then there's what else? Like what, what, what else is like the, the kind of the, uh, uh, some of the, the, the terms that people might've heard of? We've been seeing games pop up with a, play to earn model. We're just playing the game. You can earn tokens. You can sell on a secondary marketplace to make some sort of money to pay rent, buy food, whatever. Um, my biggest interest lately have been decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs where everyone who's part of a group, um, kind of like if you took New Haven IO and like made a separate group the way that Jake and I did, um, 
everyone who's part of that group can own a token that identifies them as a part owner of the group. So everyone collectively can kind of decide what they want to do, what kind of projects they want to build, how they want to might make changes to the structure of everything. We're just seeing a lot of unique web experiences pop up that just aren't able to be powered by Web2 technologies. Mm -hmm. And the big thing about that is like the ownership, right? Because you you have an ownership stake in something or you have a governance stake in, in something that, that by holding a certain, again, uh, the, the NFT side of things is right, the non-fungible token um, is, is that gives you kind of um, recognition that you own something or you own a piece or you have the ability to govern in, in, in a certain organization, right? Yeah, that kind of goes into how you set the organization up. Like I'm still involved in IO, I still love IO, but we Jake and I kind of set this other thing up. The CT3 DAO was this kind of experiment to see what would happen if we take a locally focused organization like that and turn it into a community-based ownership model where every individual person who has one of these non-fungible tokens, which basically just acts as like a right to a database saying the person who has this token is also one of the people who helps make decisions of this organization. We want to see what that might be able to power. So with our current organization with IO, we have like six or so people in administrative roles and any changes we might want to make has to go through that singular team and kind of turns into this thing where everything has to go up before it can like be dispersed back out. And we just want to see what might happen if we have so many people. I think as of this afternoon, we have a hundred members on CT3 already just from launching nine days ago. We want to see what happens if everybody has the ability to kind of make proposals, make changes and kind of be part of that decision-making process for the organization goes. Mm -hmm. So to just give uh, just a little background, New Haven IO is what? Cause I know, so uh, I'll have to remember the exact episode, but it was probably about 50 episodes ago about uh, now, but like, what is New Haven IO? So New Haven IO um, started as like 12 or 13 different organizations in New Haven about 12 years ago, different groups for Ruby, JavaScript, Python. Um, it was a lot of different calendars to keep track of a lot of different groups and Slacks and IRC channels. Um, a few people decided that's kind of silly. Let's pull it all together, make one group, just have this one big community for all the technologically minded people in New Haven to connect together, have a single calendar for events, just one thing to keep track of. Um, that's kind of grown and evolved over the years. Um, at one point, we considered ourselves the uh, water cooler of the New Haven tech scene, where we were just kind of like the one show in town and just kind of everybody who was involved in technology somehow like eventually find their way back to us. But just over the last few years, um, we've kind of shifted to being like more of the glue that holds everything else together. We've seen our other organizations pop up that are trying to do other things in the space, more specific groups, like specifically for web development. There's another one that popped up in the past few months specifically for artificial intelligence and machine learning. And we're just doing everything we can to help those organizations thrive on their own and give them the resources they need to grow their own thing out. Well, cool. So I guess, um, Jake, I guess go, I'll go back to you for maybe the kind of the definition kind of side of things. So I guess is, so a DAO, right? So the De uh, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, those are, they, do they have to be kind of, I don't know if powered is the right word, but like uh, um, NFTs are those like, are DAOs and NFTs kind of like they have to go together or they, they go together in a sense of for the access kind of the utility kind of side of the DAO? Is that, is that the case? And like, what is, and can you explain what an NFT is? Cause I know I'm going to butcher it. Yeah, sure. So definitely. So first, um, first, definitely, um, you know, before I go into this, I want to also just back up. I said that the Bitcoin paper came out in 2009. I just did a quick fact check to myself and it, it was actually 2008. So just want to make sure I got that, that fact. Clear. Appreciate that. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, um so nft so you know nft uh, it, it basically just means a unique 
token. It's a non-fungible token. And the reason why it works so well with the concept of a DAO is because you can check someone's wallet to see that they have a unique token that comes from a certain collection. So you can have a way to verify that like if a uh, NFT creator created a collection of 5,000 unique NFTs, but were thematically part of the same collection, then you can verify that everyone who joins this DAO is a holder of one of those NFTs by checking their wallet, which en enables NFTs to be very powerful tools um, to be you know, decentralized access tokens because anyone can, can obviously move their, their NFTs around. They can trade them on markets. They can give them to friends. They can be earned through airdrops. Um, but they they work a bit better than you know something other ways that you could think of for allowing membership to a group. One might be a um, you know a more centralized list. Maybe like you have to have a allow list that's hosted on a server somewhere, and someone has to authenticate through that. And now you have a central point of failure, um, or maybe you know any certain type of non NFT token holder could also join a DAO. Um, but there's since the token itself will always share the same address as everyone else, um, there's no way to really differentiate you know, two different wallets that are holding the same token unless they're NFTs. Um, so like a, so, like a like a Ethereum or a Bitcoin, that's a fungible token, right? And so that's exactly, one where yeah. you can one one Bitcoin is the same as another Bitcoin, right? Exactly. Yeah. But if you and I have two unique NFTs, just happen to be part of the same collection, maybe the art piece that's associated with it will have some sort of thematic similarity like the uh, you know, Ford Ape Yacht Clubs um, where your ape and my ape could look different than the art piece, but you know they're both recognizably part of the same theme and the tokens themselves come from the same collection. This way, if you and I were to join a DAO that required having those tokens, uh, it would be easy for the creators of that DAO to um, use some sort of program to verify that you and I both hold these 40 Yacht Club NFTs. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I guess this, this we're, we're go down kind of the rabbit hole of like NFTs and the utility aspect of them, because for most people, if they even understand NFTs or no NFTs, right. Um, or, or it's kind of been on their, their radar is that they probably think about it as art, right? Uh, maybe, you know, punks are probably one of the ones, um, I think crypto Mori's are, are a little bit older too. So I think they're older. I think some of the other ones, I don't know. I think like maybe 2017, 18 is when they started coming out, uh, in terms of like the, the, you know, the punks and some of these other ones that, that are kind of the OGs, right. The OG type, uh, NFTs. Um, I know you guys are more on Solana, so I can, we can maybe kind of like talk about the, a little bit of the difference between like Solana NFTs and, and, uh, Ethereum NFTs. And then I think there's a couple other ones maybe, or is that, is that the only big ones? Um, I've seen NFTs on a, a lot of chains. Um, so, you know, definitely Solana and Ethereum are, are big, but there's even folks that are building, um, uh, or, you know, deploying NFTs on uh, Terra Luna. Um, I've seen a, a program called Stacks, which is built on Bitcoin actually, okay. which is, you know, NFTs hosted on Bitcoin, which I think is a kind of unique idea. Um, so it's a multi-chain paradigm. Um, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a multi-chain technology. It's, 
pretty generalized, but you'll, you'll probably see a greater concentration of NFT holders on Ethereum and Solana at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying more more holders on Solana right now, and is that just because of the transaction fees and the gas fees, and it's just cheaper to to operate on Solana at this point? Or I think there's actually more holders on Ethereum at the moment. Okay. Um, be- just due to like network effects of Ethereum, Ethereum has been out a lot longer. Um, NFTs on Ethereum started, you know, before Solana really even had its first um, its first release. I'm pretty sure, you know, someone can, can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure. And um, Solana itself has really kind of gotten into a state of um, getting users and having usable NFT uh, platforms for people to, you know, acquire NFTs from um, really this year. I think, you know, since I would say August of this year is when NFTs on Solana really started to take off. So it's still fairly new, but I do think that the low transaction fees and you know the speed of the platform itself has been attracting people at a very quick rate of change. Mm-hmm. It helps and- that the Solana team themselves are the ones that are creating and maintaining uh, the application Metaplex that's handling a lot of the NFT creation on Solana's blockchain. So it's kind of like a centralized. So like they're a little, they're more centralized than Ethereum would be, you would say, right? Obviously, in in that sense, or. To me, it almost feels more like React versus Vue. Um, okay, I'm not a developer, a, so you're going to have to explain that one. <laughs> um, Ethereum has a lot of different teams making a lot of different applications for all of it, but uh, Solana is acting a little more like Vue, where they make their own router, they make their own render library. Just a, the core things you need to have the functionality work is all made by one team so that everything kind of interoperates together a lot easier and there's less friction from mm-hmm. getting started to getting something out the door. Okay. So I, I have, yeah, and I've, I've seen things about like follow the, follow the uh, developers and there's m- apparently way more developers developing on Solana right now than there is maybe Ethereum. Is that, is that, is that correct? I don't know if the number is um, higher. I think the growth is happening a lot faster on Solana. Okay. Exactly, I got started yeah. about a month ago and I think the stat was there's around like two or 3000 developers building anything on Solana. Um, I took a build space course last weekend on how to mint NFTs. And by that point, we're already up to 20,000 developers building things on Solana. So the growth is just exploding. So did you mint anything yet or did you create a create an NFT? Um, I made an NFT collection on their uh, developer net just to test some things out to learn what I need to learn to be able to make our tokens for the DAO Jake and I created. Very cool, very cool. And so, so utility, so the, I guess, uh, you know, kind of my, my entrance into the uh, NFT space is through uh, V friends from Gary Vaynerchuk. So it's interesting is that uh, one thing that I have um, uh, a few, so I'm going to, I'm going to be honest about some stuff is that uh, I've been a part of communities that got rugged. I've been part of community, you know what I'm saying? I got scammed on one NFT mint kind of thing, went to the wrong website uh, and did, did the thing. Even on OpenSea got one, um, got a scammed collection, right? Cause there's a bunch of fake collections on there. So it's like one of those things where, um, you know, you got to do your own research. That's the, that's the big kind of uh, theme. And, and also one of the things that's kind of popping up that's that I've been seeing a lot is like really kind of understand the team behind the collection and, and, and so forth. It's like, if this is an anonymous team, if they're not really trying to be out front and like interact with the community, it's like, don't even bet on them. Uh, and like, you know, kind of, cause this is long-term thinking, right? I mean, there's definitely a lot of, uh, people making money on short-term plays. And again, the, the, um, the, the crazy rise of NFTs, you know, like from, again, 
less than a year for the board eight yacht club i think right like it's been it's been maybe maybe longer but like their their floor was was crazy low when it, you know last april you know february and stuff like that and now they're what fifth almost 50 they're they're almost gonna um flip uh punk soon um but my you know kind of my journey is that you know gary vaynerchuk he kind of was putting out this thing called v friends um very interesting model there's a dutch auction uh, you know, kind of it, it went, um, you could know exactly what you're getting. So it wasn't like you were had to uh, buy something and then it was revealed a few days later. But the big thing, and uh, Henry, I think you, you touched on this before we get started was that NFTs may just seem like art, but it's more about utility. Um, and, and actually the access. So like one of the things with with friends is that there you have access to a conference that's going to happen every May for the next three years. So the first one's this, this upcoming May and only people that have the token or, you know, have the NFT can get access to it. But then there was a whole nother kind of uh, other kind of um, um, access points. If you hold the um, NFT, you can, you, you know, have dinner with Gary, you can have him on his podcast. Actually, um, you can do a bunch of other things uh, with it. And then also, you know, we've been airdropped. I've been airdropped an NFT from him, right? You know, you get access to whitelists on other NFT projects and so forth. So I guess, Henry, do you want to kind of talk about like maybe the other aspects of the, the kind of utility of NFTs? Totally. And that's kind of what got me back into this in the first place. I feel like everybody else who's probably listening to this podcast, we were all trading some kind of cryptocurrency in 2017 and left when the bubble burst. I know um, you should have dealt with that. <laughs> uh, my journey back in was finding IPFS, this like global storage solution powered by Filecoin in like January. And Jake and I were like making a little joke product on top of that. Um, but the past few months, uh, finding communities that are powered by these nfts have been what kind of like really got me back into the swing of things um kind of like you said you get access to certain things um, i've found communities that have like hidden parts of their discord depending on if you have part of their collection to jump in and the community piece has really been the most influential thing for me there's all kinds of cool stuff going on in DeFi. there's all kinds of cool stuff going on in blockchain gaming but i'm really into this idea where if people are involved in a community, um, like say IO and spending a ton of time, they're not necessarily on the administration team, but like spending a lot of time there providing value for people answering questions on like the DevOps channel or just kind of helping organize things without necessarily being part of the team. I feel like you should get some sort of ownership stake for that and being able to collectively own shape these things. Um, I was pulled into a DAO called the Developer DAO by Nader Dabit, someone Jake is friends with from a different part of his life. Um, it would just seem like a bunch of people getting together to learn about Web3 technologies. And I just happened to have enough Ethereum left in my wallet from 2017 to be able to like mint one of these when it was happening. So I bought one, dove in, met a ton of people working on really cool stuff. And they just split everybody off into guilds. Everybody's working on different things and they're collectively working towards building this global community of people all learning these technologies from each other that you need this coin to access. And that's kind of where Jake and I had this joke about like, when are we going to turn IO into a DAO? Um, people in IO kind of got tired of some of us talking about blockchain stuff and leaking another channel. So we decided just like bite the bullet, set up a discord, build a Twitter account and actually make the thing happen where we're giving well, we need to mint the tokens first, but we're like building this community for people in Connecticut to learn about Web3. Um, we want to pull anybody in, whether you're building applications on Solana, Avalanche, Ethereum, whatever, or if you just kind of have a passing interest in NFTs and want to learn how the backend works. We want to give these tokens out for free. We want you to be part of 
the actual organization. Anybody who wants to be a part of it with ties to the general Connecticut-ish area, we want you to come in, learn with us, and feel like you're earning something back for all the time you're spending with us and learning and turning around and teaching people behind you about the things you're learning as you go. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the community aspect is, is wild right now. Um, like these discords are incredible. It's some, some with some of them, it's like hard to keep up. I mean, <laughs> like how many do you guys have in the discord? You said a hundred, a uh, hundred and one as of hundred minutes ago. I think that's like manageable to have conversations with, but there's like ones that are just, they go so fast. Uh, and again, it's almost like you almost want to be in different channels and not in like the general. Um, but I, uh, I was not in one discord, uh, before May. And I probably am in 20 at this point. And like, I'm, I'm taking, you know, taking ones away and obviously I'm not, um, but uh, a lot of interesting stuff happens in there and you're meeting a lot of people. And, and uh, again, it's the, the community aspect of web web two is interesting is that a lot of these huge companies got built off the backs of the communities. Right. And, and they were the ones that were essential to the growth and, and providing the, the growth mechanisms for these companies. And they didn't, and these companies got rich, but the community didn't get anything out of it. Right. And so like, that's a, the little bit changing of, of web three is that the communities are the ones that almost kind of push, push the growth. And, and, um, you know, for that, they, they get something. So. Yeah. And I think, um, I've been seeing some DAOs, you know, create some interesting models to help give back to the members who participate in elevating the growth of their communities. Um, one DAO that I'm part of is called monkey DAO on Solana and to get in, you, you have to go through the whole thing of, of actually acquiring a Solana monkey business NFT, and then you get access to the Discord, and then you get you know voting capability of what the DAO does, and folks within can really put their skills to use in whatever way they can to help grow the community. And I've seen it, it come from developers building the website to marketers getting um, marketing out, people just making connections with other industries to help get like merchandise and and um and partnerships with companies and brands um but one interesting thing that you know i i saw them do recently is make a proposal for the dow to start producing investments and actually uh use the money collected from uh from minting and 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 reselling the nft on the secondary market to um, to put that money towards making investments that the entire DAO gets exposure to. And so every monkey holder gets exposure to. And I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, the idea that if you put yourself in a position um, to help the community grow, that growth enables more people to come into the community which then cycles back how much money the, the community collects just through people buying and selling these NFTs on secondary markets. And then that money goes towards investments, which then acts as a return vehicle for the people within that community. So it, it's a very interesting model for helping, um, helping communities fund themselves and has an incentive model for people to actually you know, do what they're best at to help grow the group that they they want to see um, do well. 
Mm-hmm. I've actually seen uh, that's the majority of the DAOs that I've seen or you know heard of or, or follow on Twitter um, are ones that they're either collecting you know certain NFTs like they're get, gathering you know they're buying up as many punks or you know board board yachts as many uh, as possible and then um, basically again sharing that exposure with everybody right. Um, yeah. Actually, there's one with uh, Kevin Rose. I don't know if you guys follow Kevin Rose and the Proof Podcast, or any, do you yeah. guys know him? Yeah, love love Kevin Rose. Yeah, yeah, he's actually launching a uh, on the eleventh. Fuck, is it the eleventh yet? <laughs> no. So, so on the eleventh, on the eleventh, he's la- he's launching one for his DAO or his 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 NFT collection kind of a thing. So, um, but again, access. They're gonna you know do some other stuff. Um, but again, the the majority of them I've seen for like collecting the art and and um, spreading the the uh, investments uh, around. Only a few of them recently. So I um, did get a .eth address. Um, so I have a few now. I probably have like five or six. Um, and I got them. I started. I want to say like I got them over the summer. So the interesting thing with, was with them is that they actually airdrop tokens to everybody who had a .eth address, and it made it their primary address. So it's 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 actually kind of cool stuff. Again, I'm not a developer. I'm learning as much as I can. Get trying to get into the weeds. Um, but, you know, basically you can send Ethereum to my .eth address. You don't have to type in the big, you know, the big long uh, uh, code, right? Which is pretty cool, right? It's my, you know, whatever. Um, and so they airdropped a bunch of tokens and those tokens are worth some money right now. Like it's, it's incredible. Like there's the secondary market jumped like within a day, this, there's people trading on the secondary market, right? There's actually money in there. And it's, I mean, it's like real money. It's not, it's not like this fun, you know, I mean, it's like you can trade it and get into US, you know, USDC very quickly. Right. Um, but the big thing is that it's also a governance token. So I got to vote on some of the, the things that they want to do. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Cause it's again, spreading the, spreading the, um, the, um, the decision-making across, right? I mean, obviously there's millions of people that are participating now and you can buy up different tokens. I mean, I, I know Coinbase owns a, a decent amount of them um, and, and so forth, but um, but still, it, it was it's a very interesting thing. So I guess like, let's get into a little bit of the semantics of the DAO that you guys are, are creating, right? Sure. So le- legally, right? If I'm, if I'm correct, or you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys know, I believe Wyoming is the only place you can create a DAO. Is that is that correct? Like legally create a DAO in, in the U.S. right now? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really speak to like okay. what the, the law is. But I do know that Wyoming um, has been making some headway in in like regulations around a DAO. And I think like they're, you know, I think there's something like City DAO that's kind of come out of Wyoming um, for producing DAOs. I'm, um, and they've been doing a lot of work there. I think um, what we're trying to do for ourselves in particular um, is hopefully within good legal framework because we're not we're not doing any of this to make any money. We're trying to make it as free as possible for everyone to join. So we're literally creating, um, you know. A, a collection of NFTs in abundance that anyone can mint for free. Um, so there's really no reason to even want to flip these on a secondary market. They are literally just acting as uh, as access tokens to um, to our Discord and to our voting. And our voting isn't going to be aimed at figuring out, you know, what sort of um, investments the DAO should make or anything like that. Well, we kind of envision our voting to be used for is more like, you know, where should our next meetup 
then you'd be um, what sort of what what pizza places should be should we buy for the meetup? We really we want to make the DAO very um, boring in terms of economics, but we want it to be a, a way for people to actually just play with the Web three stack and do on chain voting and have a a certain stake uh, in the group. Um, but there's no economic incentive to really um, to you know to really try to make any money within the group. So I think hopefully that keeps us in the good legal framework um, when it comes to being a DAO. Well, that, that's good. Sorry, go go ahead. A lot of the a lot of the people we've had join just in the past few days are people who've told us like I am a Web two developer. This has always seemed interesting to me. I've had a passing interest in NFTs for a while and want to learn how it works. Um, I think you were saying before we recorded, you got your first NFT like eight, nine months ago, and you just kind of got hooked and dug in. We just think it's something similar where if we give someone a really like transaction fees or Solana, like a fraction of a penny. So like, even if people don't want to buy cryptocurrencies, like we're fine fronting the fraction of a penny to have you set up a free wallet, send you an NFT and just have something to play with to get involved in some of the things happening and just kind of get to talk with us and understand the space a little bit instead of just having this like flip reaction right off the bat of everything's an art scam. We need to get rid of the whole thing immediately. Yeah. yeah. People learn. Well, so I guess I will like, first of all, I love that. I love the fact that you're not like you're, you're doing it as a learning environment in a, in a low risk kind of uh, environment for people to actually get their feet wet, because quite frankly, that's what you have to do with web three, right? You have to just go through the process, buy some crypto, set up a wallet, you know, get, take a, take a cold wallet, you know, let's get that, get that going. Um, you know, protect your seed phrase, never give out your seed phrase. That's, that's like the big thing, right? No, you know, and nobody will ever DM you in a, in a discord, right? No kind of a thing. Um, but, um, so I, I really do, uh, do like that. And so that's the big thing is that I like how you said, like it's it, fractions of a penny for Solana. And that's one of the big things like Solana has been on a tear the past year, right? Like, isn't it, it's like been going nuts. Like I've uh, listened to a few podcasts of like billionaires that have been made out of the salon at this point because of it, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, price action wise, um, you know, it, it has been pretty extreme. Uh, I think earlier this year um, it was you know $20 and it went up to like 250 um, just about a month ago. Um, and I know folks who got in at about $1.30. Um, so it has been, you know, high returns for a lot of folks. Um, but yeah, I think one thing we really try to focus on with CT3DAO in general is um, that it's not really a, a way to make a quick buck. It's a learning environment to come in and understand just what this sort of web technology can do and, and see things past the smoke and mirrors and the marketing scams out there and the, the meme coins and, and dog coins. Um, and just try to see what this sort of technology can actually enable. And um, I think Henry and I believe that it's really interesting what we can do with this technology. And we want to try to frame the conversation away from uh, just being a way to um, make money very quickly. Um, however, there is a trading channel within the Discord that I'm pretty active in. So if anyone is actually interested in, in trading, that is a channel that I uh, I'm pretty active in. Yeah, we will definitely be posting the uh, the link, uh, the Discord invite, um, you know, for the podcast and everything. Um, and and again, there is, I mean, there is, and I, I 
I think you both agree is like there is real money to be made in this, like legitimately, not just not, you know, in like trading and doing this kind of like flip kind of like life. Um, and also for the artist standpoint. So I know you kind of get on, you know, like we all been, um, you know, see these art projects that are just again, scams that we see people get rugged and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so the thing is though, for an artist, this is a phenomenal way to own your IP, own your tracks, own your art. And then also here's the big kicker get potential royalties off the sale when somebody flips your stuff. Right. Yeah. Or if they have, again, um, you know, I have, uh, one of the people that I pulled into, uh, um, one of my business partners, I pulled him into the NFT rabbit hole as well. And he was looking at a comedy show that was going to be released as an NFT and only X amount of, you know, copies were released and then you could flip it or something like that, or, you know, an album that gets released or again, an art collection. Right. So it's, um, you know, regenerative art that's being made. That, that's very cool. Um, so you know, there, there is legitimate reasons why this is awesome for artists, right? And, and you know, uh, and musicians and even potentially, uh, you know, a lot of other type of, uh, I guess you can say arts type, type kind of, or like, you know, artisanal type of uh, ventures. 100%, yeah. So I, I think that one of the qualities of, um, you know, a permissionless decentralized environment is that you get 100x um, the downside and 100x the upside. So you're going to have an amplification of um, scammers and, and ruggers, but you're also going to have a massive amplification of um, artists who can now, you know, make a good living um, doing what they're very talented at. Um, artists who can uh, create projects that lead to massive donations. I, I've seen a 14-year-old artist raise, I think, about a million dollars um, for donations to like a beluga whale uh, conservation fund by making NFT art of beluga whales. Um, I saw a scientific research lab saying that they were going to launch an NFT collection to fund their scientific research. Um, I think it was like selling pictures um, from the microscope or something like that. Actually, a pretty good idea. Yeah. And um, I've seen a, uh, I think it was forget which podcast it was, but someone was talking about um, making a NFT where you can use that NFT to buy uh, airtime on a podcast. So if I owned an NFT for, for your podcast, I could buy five minutes of airtime um, or I can hold that NFT for a while and wait for the NFTs to maybe appreciate in value and sell it to someone else who uh, you know wants airtime with you more than with more than yeah. uh, I do and I would part ways with the NFT and, and take the money um, so there's definitely legitimate use cases for NFTs and uh, artists and creators um, and I think a lot more that we haven't really even untapped yet Mm -hmm. actually like, on the podcast side i'll just say is that i literally ran into that on a tweet today um and again twitter like it's turning into nft twitter right like i'm not like <laughs> other stuff there but um basically there's a guy um so with, with v friends for the gary v one he had i think maybe five or ten that were called podcast panthers and basically every like once a year for the next three years like you can get um you can have gary v come on your podcast for 45 minutes and so this guy who owns one of them he just put up he goes I don't have a podcast. So does anybody want to rent the access from me? Like shoot an offer. And I shot an offer and I was like, or I'll trade you an NFT. <laughs> like like I'll, I'll like do something like that. You know, love to get him on here and talk about, you know, kind of what he's gone through because, and also, I mean, his, his, you know, talk about the royalties to sell his, his, I think it's like a 10% uh, 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 cut on it. Right. And it's been traded 
I think 30, I think around 30,000 ETH have been traded. So that, I mean, that's, that's, that's serious money right there that you get mm-hmm. on. And it's an eight month old, nine month old fucking NFT collection. Um, so it's, uh, again, he's, he's spending a lot of money on his, on his, uh, the conference, but cause it's, you know, free to go, but, um, but yeah, definitely there's, there's legitimate cases out there that are, that are happening, but sorry to cut yeah. you off before Henry. But. Yeah. Let's, let's cut to the core of it and just say that artists of all kinds are provide a lot more value to the world than they take home and annual salary or whatever. Um, the cool thing that this powers is what you're saying is like the resale values you can like bake into the NFT that every time this gets sold on a secondary market, you get a certain percentage of royalties back to the creator. So instead of Taylor Swift having to re-record every freaking song she's wrote for the past 15 years, you can just bake this in from the beginning. And I've seen artists that I've been following since they were just SoundCloud uh Rappers, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Blau, I've been following him since I was in college. Just fun mashups for parties, but I've seen him kind of like grow up and like start hitting the festival scene. And he started putting out NFT albums a couple of months ago. So, on top of just like producing your own records and putting them out the traditional way through a publishing house or through your own independent label, you can sell these NFTs on the side that are like additional tracks. One of the uh, benefits of like I think five of the NFTs that he put out are that you can actually collaborate with them to like put together a personal song with his style on it with like music that you like and just kind of put your own twist on it oh, that's legit just have all these cool ways to put money back to the developers built into the whole model instead of having to like tax something on afterwards mm-hmm. yeah and then and again you you pair that with then utility to that or access to that artist to do certain things and again certain events you can go to i mean again you know art basil just happened nft new york happened right and like you get access to different parties if you own this and and this and that so again the access to side of things i think is is untapped uh, there's a lot more kind of ways to to kind of create different access points uh using an nft um you know definitely so i know we're, we're kind of wrapping up and i, and I would uh, i would uh, I would say is that I would love to kind of uh, keep doing this maybe, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of, kind of, because again, web three is rapidly kind of uh, coming into, um, into form. Uh, it seems like, you know, what happens um, if you stay off Twitter, not in some of these discords for like a week, you feel like you're lost already again, and you have to get, you know, kind of get back into it. So I'd love to kind of uh, keep on uh, connecting with the, the web three. So it's web three DAO or uh, CT three DAO, right? CT three DAO. All right, cool. So we'll, we'll post all that kind of stuff. So I guess, um, you know, with, with, with the noobs getting into NFTs or uh, other than the, um, you know, CT3 DAO, what are some other um, resources or uh, places you would kind of point people to, um, to kind of uh, start understanding a little bit more about uh, Web3? Uh, Jake might have more general resource or just understanding the base concepts, but I've been getting a ton of value out of a website called BuildSpace. Um, they don't like to call them tutorials, like to call them projects, but they give you a bunch of things to work on that involve different technology stacks, some Ethereum, some Solana, some making NFT, some making different app, decentralized applications or just interact with your wallet. But it's a great way to just kind of get your hands dirty, working on something basic and guided to kind of get you through the initial process of interacting with blockchain technology, just so you can start to get a feel for how the workflow works. Yeah, I agree with Henry. Um, Build Space is a really good place to to start and check things out. Um, I think you know my my side of things is more um, organically finding stuff. So just hanging out on Twitter and maybe like searching for someone that you know is into crypto and Web three and um, see what they're talking to and who they're interacting with. Join the discords um, that you start to see people posting. 
and go through the channels and you know look for the project that's really interesting to you and um, join that discord and I'm fairly certain that if you just kind of start participating and and being active in the discord um, more learning happens and and uh, more people start to kind of get to know you and you build like this group of internet friends and that's how you start to learn a whole bunch you you start asking questions and, and um, poking around with new tools as they come out. Mm -hmm. I would, uh, I would second that definitely get into the discord. You have to get into it. Um, you know, if an NFT collection doesn't have a discord, it might be a scam you know, or something. Um, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, even, even the good scam ones that are, have discords now and act, act pretty legit. Um, but you know, do your own research. Uh, you'll find out there's a lingo. Um, definitely tell people good morning when you get onto Twitter, um, and, and good night, um, you know, cause then they'll, uh, really know that you're uh, in, into it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, guys, like I said, um, you know, Web3 for me has been kind of the hobby, um, has been something that, you know, I, I spend my time late at night kind of going down the, the rabbit hole, again, getting into the discords, connecting with people. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited for it. I definitely want to have more conversations around this. So would love uh, any introductions, any other people you think we should be talking to. And again, would love to continue the conversation. Maybe you guys have you on every once a month because you never know, you could be up to a thousand in a month and, uh, you know, the, the organic growth, right? So um, but, um, I don't know any, any last words for, for you guys. Um, all I say is that please come learn with us. We're trying to be an open community, just people trying to learn what they can and turning around and teaching people what else is happening. And we have crypto companies moving to Connecticut. We have a very big one coming to Stanford very soon. So this is only going to keep growing in the state that we're in. So it's, it could be helpful to start learning this stuff now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, grayscale and digital currencies group, um, are going to be in Stanford. Grayscale is already there. There's a subsidiary, um, uh, digital currencies group. Is, I think I believe is the parent company, and they are officially moving to Stanford. Um, and yeah, I think one note that I kind of want to leave off on is if you're very new to the space, you're jumping in. Um, I follow the phrase "don't mint loosely," meaning if you see a new project that pops up on Twitter and it's like, "Hey, mint just started; it's going to sell out in two minutes," um, don't just hop in and, and spend money on that NFT right away. Uh, it it could uh, not be a legitimate project, and it's definitely better to kind of, as we've said multiple times on this episode, do your own research and and figure out who's behind it. I'm only saying this because I want everyone to have a positive experience uh, as they get into the world of NFTs. Yeah, I think like entrepreneurship though too is like sometimes you got to fail and you got to like it has to sting <laughs> kind of a thing because I'll, I'll straight up say is that I'm actually is um, uh, following people definitely on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to second uh, both of that and just try to find some people that are you're into follow their thread right do some just get in there and, and try to like see what they're talking about. I, um, there's this one, uh, Kevin Rose, again, we, we just talked about him a minute ago. He just said, um, like, uh, this project Woody's is great. And like, he's a legit guy. Like, he's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, I've been following him for years and like, he's not going to be just putting out, he's like, he's like great for like this DAO. It was, it was a DAO that launched a, a, um, a collective called the Woody's. I don't know if you heard of it, but the Woody's and, um, so I went to the, I went to the mint website and I could mint. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, I can, I can mint. And it was like 0.06 ETH or something. And I had to transfer ETH from Coinbase. So I had to go through mm. the MetaMask, right? Do the whole thing. Um, and so I did that. And by the time I did that and I tried to mint, it was sold out, like just sold yeah. out, you know, like then if it's, it hits Twitter, then whatever, sold out. So then I quickly went to OpenSea to, to find it, right? And I went, mm. I just went to OpenSea Woody's collection and there were some there already posted, right? 
And so I, I like, and it was a little bit above the mint price. It was whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to buy it. Fuck it. Like, I'll buy it. Right. And that was a scam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I bought it and it was like, I came back later that day and they're like, oh, join the discord, went to the discord and then went to the, went to the link in the discord, which is again, every discord is going to have the official links page, right? Only go to those links, you know, th these collections yep. went to that one and uh, they were all mint passports and it didn't, there was no reveals. Right. And uh, went back the next day and the open, that open sea collection was gone. <laughs> right. And it was, it was done. So um, it, it, it's, it sucks. It, and, but it's, you know, you, you felt it and then you learn from that and you don't make that mistake again, but um, you yeah. know, sometimes you got to learn the hard way, but. <laughs> I think that, you know, that's a, a thing that you see a lot when um, doing any sort of like economic transactions is sometimes you kind of have to mess up a bit to, um, you know, really learn from the experience. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say, you know, just, just because a celebrity is sharing something or is even, you know, even if it's a, a, a very well-known celebrity, um, you know, an actor or a singer sharing a project, um, there's been times where I've seen, you know, some, some uh, music artists launch a NFT collection and it turned out to be a rug. Um, so um, yeah, I, I would say find, you know, high integrity teams that are behind the projects, um, teams that are actively um, doing good for the community and, and um, maybe trying to do more than just make money off of their NFT collection. And um, there's a higher probability that that NFT project is actually going to um, be there for the long run and not just be a rug. The NFT yeah. should be an addition to the community, not just the whole thing in my opinion yeah no i mean long-term thinking too is 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 definitely a big thing you know any short-term thinking is just like a red flag um and again mm -hmm. if if they're not willing to interact with the community and like show who they are and you know kind of be open about who they are um you know i've also seen many a times where you know on twitter they're just like calling out people like that person was part of this rug this person was part of that rug don't talk to that person right so you know mm -hmm. i think it's a uh, all in all, I've had a good experience even with those those things. Um, and honestly, the Woody's collection, I bought a, a few more, and it's been it's been great. Um, and they they've they've um, you know the roadmaps, right? Everybody, everyone has a roadmap, and I you know you guys have a roadmap too. Um, and those are the things where you, you want to see people just progress, right? It's like you know each day, each month, they're progressing down their roadmap and, and hitting hitting the milestones that they talked about. So, uh, but again. We'll do this again because I know we're coming up on time. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Uh, it was nice meeting you again, uh, Jake. Nice to meet you and and Henry. It was good to having a chat with you again. So, uh, and uh, everybody else, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for having us, Eric. Thanks. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or some people know it, CI an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, in introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, 
please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.